Thanks for listening to the Voices of UMass Med, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Medical School. Welcome to the Voices of UMass Med podcast. I'm Jennifer Berryman. Our guest for today's conversation is Kristen Maddox, recently appointed to the new position of Dean of Veterans Affairs here at UMass Medical School. Her research reflects a deep interest in improving healthcare for all veterans and their families. Dr. Maddox, congratulations on the new role and thank you very much for joining us today. Wonderful, thanks for having me. So let's start out just talking about veterans' health in general. You are a professor of population and quantitative health sciences. You're also associate chief of staff for research and education at the VA of Central and Western Massachusetts Healthcare System. So you have an MPH and a PhD in in health policy. How did this interest in veterans' health begin? Oh, good question. Um, So I did my graduate work at Yale. And when I um, graduated, I actually got an offer um, from the Veterans Affairs facility, which was just down the street in West Haven. Um, Surprisingly enough, even though Yale was very near the VA uh, facility in West Haven, we really didn't receive any education or training Um, during my PhD program about veterans. So when I started working at the VA, I was completely um, new to the, you know, to the type of um, information that was being presented to me. I didn't really know much about veterans. Um, So in the past 15 years, I've I've been in the VA for 15 years. In the past 15 years, I've really grown a lot as as a researcher and, and, and a policy person as well. So that's a little bit of the history of how I got here. And you um, have developed in particular an expertise in in the health of women veterans, um, particularly perinatal, maternal, child health. Um, Can you just touch on that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in graduate school, my focus was really on understanding um, disparities. And I really always like to think about and study, you know, disadvantaged populations or underserved populations. And it turns out that the VA is really, uh, has been the the perfect opportunity to do that. Um, The reason for that is that um, women veterans only comprise about eight to 10% of the overall uh, VA population. And so you're talking about a very, um, very small minority of patients that we have in the VA. Um, it's It's been such an interesting evolution over the past 15 years, because when I first arrived, um, there were a lot of complaints from women veterans about just not getting the care they needed in the VA. Um, oftentimes, for example, when they would go to get, um, let's say, a pap smear, they would, you know, be working with residents or physicians who hadn't done a pap smear in, um, you know, 15 or 20 years because there just weren't women in the VA. Um, so over the course of those 15 years, I, I do think the VA has really improved its delivery of care for women. We've done all kinds of things from, you know, kind of reconfiguring exam rooms so that, you know, exam tables don't point to the door. So if a woman is getting a pap smear, you know, the door is not open and someone's walking by, you know, looking at what's going on inside. Um, we've done a lot to make sure that our primary care and women's health providers are really trained in women's health. And so people, you know, know how to do pap smears, people know how to do breast exams and things like that. Um, So as a system, I think that we have gotten 
um, you know, a lot better. My own research has focused on even a smaller <laughs> number of women veterans, which are those uh, women who are who are pregnant. the The VA is 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 an interesting system in that because there are so few women, again, about eight percent of the whole VA population, the VA does not provide um, obstetrical care, prenatal care for for veterans, uh, women veterans. So, if a woman veteran does get pregnant, um, she's going to have to leave the VA and get um, obstetrical care in the community from a community provider. The VA pays for it, but as you can see, it sets up kind of a different system in that you know women can't necessarily get all of their care in the VA. Um, there there are types of care that they have to leave the VA. So I've really focused on on understanding you know that process of care for women veterans, where they go to get care, the quality of that community care, um, and you know just thinking about it too. I mean you know women veterans are interesting. They have um, you know such histories of sometimes military sexual trauma, um, PTSD, um, combat-related injuries, and things like that. And so, um, you know, thinking about them as a population, as a study population, has really been an opportunity for me to really dig deep into understanding, you know, disparities and, and really vulnerable populations. So I just want to ask a quick follow-up question. You mentioned that 8 to 10% of the VA's patient population is comprised of women. Is that because women comprise 8 to 10% of our armed forces or of our veteran population, or are women just disproportionately getting their health care elsewhere outside the VA? Um, more good questions from you. Um, so <laughs> if you. If you look across the board, um, basically new recruits into the military, probably about 15 to 20% of new recruits are women. And that, you know, same with National Guard and Reserve. So there actually are a greater proportion of women in the military, but as you indicated, not all of those women end up making it into the VA. It's interesting because I've talked to so many women over the course of my career that feel like they don't deserve um, VA care because when they walk into VA facilities, oftentimes they see, you know, older general gentlemen who are, you know, um, from the Vietnam era or you know, something like that. And, and, and they see people and they think, you know, maybe the VA is not for me. Maybe it's for people who, and these are their words, people who, who really served. So <laughs> women, you know, sometimes don't think of themselves as veterans and don't think that they deserve that care. And so part of our mission has also been, you know, making them feel welcome and that in fact, they do belong in the VA. Mm -hmm. So um, let's segue into talking about your new role, Associate Dean for Veterans Affairs at UMass Medical School. What are some of the things that you hope to tackle um, in this position? Well, there's so many exciting things, actually. So um, one of the, the best things that's happening right now is we are actually in the process of, along with UMass, um, building a new community-based outpatient clinic um, right on the UMass campus. So um, we have a couple of clinics in Worcester right now, and those clinics will all be basically re relocating into that new um, on-campus clinic. And so I just think it provides an outstanding opportunity to, to really um, further develop the relationships between UMass and VA. So what I hope to do is increase our training programs there, um, hopefully have more um, you know, medical residents and fellows training there. I hope to increase 
um, research partnerships between BA and UMass. Um, I hope I hope eventually we can have more um, clinical relationships uh, between UMass and VA. So I think that there's so much potential there um, with the arrival of that new building, which is which has been a long time in the making. But it's it's really exciting that it's going to open actually next August. So we're looking yeah. forward to that. That building has been a long time coming and um, the construction is moving so rapidly. There's already, you know, it's steel shell is up and, and, and work is really progressing rapidly. The VA of Central Western Massachusetts and UMass Medical School have had um, a close relationship for a number of years. There's a VA specialty clinic that's already on our campus um, that will be moving into that new building, I believe. Yep. Um, and so, uh, so you've, delineated some of the benefits for like medical students and and faculty at the medical school. How will having this brand new clinic really benefit the the veterans who will be receiving their care? Well, I mean, numerous ways, actually. So because we do have three, essentially three different sites of care in Worcester right now, um, it'll it'll be wonderful to consolidate those three um, places of care at one place. So yes, um, you know, veterans will be able to get primary care, mental health care, they'll be able to get specialty care. And um, within probably another year or so, they'll be able to get some of the subspecialty services we have, as you mentioned, audiology, um, optometry, uh, for example, blind rehab, podiatry. So it'll it'll be one stop shop. The other thing that I really like about it is that you know veterans um, really like being able to you know to see to see UMass providers, and so I'm hoping that you know in the near future that veterans will be able to you know for services not provided currently at the clinic, um, you know, we'll be able to expand those services so veterans can receive them um, from providers. And just having that, that knowledge and expertise is, is really um, an incredible opportunity for us, I think. And this really will be uh, a, a huge uh, quality of life improvement. I mean, we've heard stories of veterans from the central Massachusetts having to, you know, get on vans and make the long trip into Boston to receive their care. And so hopefully that would uh, be minimized once this new clinic opens. Is that part of the hope? I think so. Absolutely. I mean, the, the VA has, has um, we've had some great legislation in the past year with a, a new uh, piece of legislation called the Mission Act, which basically gives veterans a lot more freedom in terms of where they get their care and things like that. But, you know, it it is, it is never a good idea to, you know, have veterans travel, you know, one, two or three hours to have to go to another VA um, facility to get to get care. So, you know, what we would love is for our veterans to have accessible care right in the Worcester area and so that they don't have to travel long distances to get that care. And one last question just about the construction of this um, exciting new clinic that's on the medical school's campus. Just a couple of weeks ago in October, the final steel beam was raised uh, and hoisted into place, and you were one of the the VIPs, I guess I could say, and local veterans who signed that beam. And I just wonder, can you describe what that was like? What did that mean to you? Oh, that was so much fun. I, that was that was a, a period of, of one or two really um, great days. I mean, first of all, it was just incredible to see the progress that had been made on the building and to be a part of the beam ceremony, which I had never 
didn't even know there were beam ceremonies, but it was, <laughs> it was incredible to be there on that day and to, you know, um, have, you know, veterans and, and UMass veterans and, um, you know, folks sign the actual beam and then to see it actually um, get hoisted all the way on top of the building. I mean, I don't think there were many of us who didn't have tears in our eyes. It was it was extremely amazing. Um, and the great thing about that is that apparently that beam um, is going to go up into, you know, the highest level of the building and the signatures will remain exposed. And so for basically the, the future history of that building, you're going to be able to walk into that corridor and see um, all the people who signed that beam. And I just think that's fantastic. So as we discussed earlier, you, you know, your career has really been consumed by research, uh, a lot of like clinical research that's been focused on improving healthcare for veterans and coordination and, of care and the equity of care. Uh, and I just want to ask you, you know, since we find ourselves now seven months into the coronavirus pandemic, can you talk a little bit about how COVID has impacted the veteran community? Yeah, I mean, boy, it's hit us all hard, hasn't it? Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, back in back in in March and April when this all started, I mean, we just like you know all other healthcare facilities, I mean, we, the VA, you know, pretty much you know shut its doors to to in person visits unless they were extremely urgent. And so, what has come out of that has actually been incredible because, like other healthcare systems. Um, a, a healthy amount of our care became virtual care. And interestingly, the VA was already good at um, doing virtual care. We had a number of years ago implemented something called VVC, which is basically, um, you know, being able to, to do a video appointment with your, with your healthcare provider. Um, and so the number of these, you know, telehealth appointments has just gone through the roof in the VA. And, and it's funny because I find talking to patients and talking to providers that people actually like this mode, uh, this, this type of healthcare. People like being able to stay at their homes and, and, and see their provider in video calls. Providers end up feeling like veterans end up getting greater access to care because you don't have to worry about travel times and things like that. They can schedule more appointments. And so something that really came out of the disaster of COVID has actually been this realization that, wow, maybe we don't have to do care the way that we thought we had to do it. Maybe we can do more you know, non-urgent telehealth appointments and, and things like that. Um, so it's in that way, its impact, I think, on veterans has, has been positive. Um, you know, obviously there are there are certainly veterans who who prefer, you know, more in-person care, but with COVID cases, the way they are right now, I think yesterday we just had 103,000 cases in the United States. I mean, I see this type of care continuing for some for some time in the future. And so it's nice to know that we can continue to care for our veterans, um, even if the, the mode of delivery is a little bit different than it had been before. Right. It's nice to have the option mm -hmm. to meet their needs, whatever that need might be. Right. Um, so how has your own work pivoted during the COVID era, I guess we can call it? Um, well, <laughs> I spend a lot more time in my living room um, <laughs> wearing, wearing, you know, a sweatshirt. Um, you know, I, I think that um, 
that, that many of us, you know, across the VA and certainly across the country, I mean, a number of my colleagues are, are still, you know, working from home until we get the signal from our organizations that, you know, it's, it's time to come back. Um, you know, I, I think that my own work, I mean, I did an interesting um, paper a couple of months ago on, um, again, pregnancy and and how um, pregnant veterans care changed during COVID. So it was a very interesting paper. You know, women very much lamented the fact that they didn't have, you know, in-person prenatal care appointments anymore. Um, the, the fact that their, you know, their, their birthing classes were canceled. I think the biggest hit um, for COVID among pregnant women is the the severe um, limitation placed on who can be in the delivery room. Um, So for a number of months, um, you know, there were definitely women who who weren't, some women weren't allowed to bring anyone into the delivery room. Some women, for example, wanted to have, you know, their, maybe their mother and their spouse, and there were strict limitations placed on only one person. You know, lots of people didn't have anyone uh, um, to, you know, to visit them once the baby was born. You know, I think it really, people really took a hit during that time. And, you know, and then you have to think about too, all of the people that have lost their jobs as a result of COVID. And so people really struggling economically that, that came out in our study as well. So I've really been trying to keep my focus on, you know, kind of understanding the longer term impacts of, of COVID, not necessarily people who contract COVID, but, but just how, again, healthcare has changed and just the way that we do things has changed. And certainly that the hit that people have taken because of that job loss is just, is just astounding. Yeah. So, so let's conclude by sort of looking into a crystal ball and and looking down the road one or two or or more years Um, as, you know, this new VA clinic opens in Worcester on the campus of UMass Medical School. And as this collaboration grows deeper, you know, what are some of your hopes or your, you know, aspirations about the the clinic and also just bridging um, research and clinical care to improve health for veterans? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I I think one of my biggest goals is just to, you know, to bring more sort of veterans health issues into UMass. And so one of the things I'd love to do is have more, you know, more training seminars. Um, There is a veterans clerkship right now that already um, does, um, does run at UMass and that's a wonderful program, but to really expand that and, and to make, um, more UMass researchers aware of, of veterans' issues and then, you know, thereby sort of make more opportunities for collaboration between VA and UMass researchers, I think is just absolutely critical. And, and as I said, more clinical and educational opportunities as well. But I just, you know, I think that there's so much potential for partnership between between VA and UMass. And I, I sometimes I just think like, oh my goodness, we have so much to do and there's so many places to go. And, you know, sometimes Sometimes I'm taking a walk or I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, oh boy, we could also do, you know, do this cool thing too. So <laughs> um, I, I just think the possibilities are endless. So it's, it's a lot of good things to think about. Um, but, you know, with great, wonderful UMass colleagues and VA colleagues who, who both want to work across, um, you know, across the aisle with each other. So I think there's a lot of good potential there. Well, that's wonderful. And of course, Veterans Day is uh, once again upon us as we record this conversation. So let's just close by taking a moment to extend our gratitude um, to all who have served our nation and, and to the veterans in our own family and friend circles who we uh, know and love. Absolutely. 
Dr. Kristen Maddox, so great to have you on the Voices of UMass Med podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. For all of our listeners, please share your feedback on these episodes. You can leave us a review or send us an email with a suggestion for a future episode or guest. You can email us at ummscommunications at umassmed.edu. I'm Jennifer Berryman. Thanks again for listening. Keep up to date with everything happening at UMass Medical School by following us on Facebook at UMass Med, on Twitter at UMass Medical, and on LinkedIn at University of Massachusetts Medical School.